Today on the lowdown, a dancing room podcast, Christina Knight gives us the lowdown on miracle advocacy for dancing room fans. Over to you, Hina and Mala. Thanks, Jody. Today we have a topic that's relevant for everyone, we suspect. If you have a person with Down syndrome in your life, you may have at some point been surprised to note that the medical team for your person is huge. The number of specialists and appointments can challenge even the most ultra-organized person, which we all know is Hannah. Um, <laughs> families regularly tell us that the medical part of Down syndrome is a lot to manage, not only because of the sheer number of appointments, but also because each appointment require some degree of advocacy for their person and clear communication with the medical professional. So today we thought it would be helpful to speak with someone who has experience in both roles. So today we're talking with Christina Light. She's a pediatric intensive care nurse, also called PICU, at BC Children's Hospital and has worked there for over 15 years. She has two amazing little boys. Nate, the oldest, is five and a half and he has Down syndrome and is the most incredible little guy. I can vouch for that. He's awesome. Um, and he has a little brother Nicholas or Naughty Nikki, who will be three in April. And Christina also has four wonderful stepchildren. Welcome to the Lowdown, Christina. It's great to have you. Thank you very much. Um, Yes, it is really wonderful to have you. I'm excited to discuss this topic. Um, But before we start, in the grand tradition of the Lowdown, we would love to start our interview with you with five secret questions. Are you game? Oh, dear. (laughs) No math math involved. Promise. No skill testing. Um, Just so that our listeners can get to know you as a person a little bit more. Sure. Um, Okay. Question number one. Your kids have amazing hair. What is your styling secret? Uh, Well, it's also genetics. Oh, okay. Uh, If you've met his dad, uh, he's got spiky hair. So the kids have spiky hair for him. And we use a really, really good gel quality product from the hairstylist. Oh, it's a hairstylist gel, not even Shopper's Drug Mart gel. No, it's not Shopper's Drug Mart. It's actually the expensive hairstylist gel. You can tell because it it, It stays. You see them in the afternoon and they are still rocking it. So it's good stuff. (laughs) So cute. Um, Okay. Question number two. What is your de-stress routine at the end of like a tough? rotation at the hospital oh I come home and I hug my kids Mm -hmm. Um, if it's been a tough day in in our unit I just I come home and I just hug them and they always run to me when I come home which is amazing and it's just cuddle them on the couch uh, cuddle them in bed just it's just an amazing feeling yeah, give them a big old smell and just a big squish and you're oh, good yeah. to go. Yeah. And lots of kisses. Yeah. yeah. Which right <laughs> now they still let me do. So I can yeah, yeah, no, that's true. soak it up. Yeah. Soak it up exactly. while you can. <laughs> um, okay, question number three. What is your favorite place to go for like a weekend away in BC? Oh, um, uh, well, uh, I love Tofino. I've only ever been there once. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a longer drive to get there. Um, Whistler is also a family favorite to go up there because mm. it's nice and close as well. Mm-hmm. And just lots of exploration and doing some of the trails and stuff like that. Yeah. Kid friendly. Very kid friendly. <clears throat> nice and easy to walk around. You don't need your car as much. Yeah. Too. Yeah, so yeah. I'd probably say those are the, the kind of two Great. places and stuff. The beach. The beach is always a good place. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Centennial and Tawasin is an oh, amazing yeah. beach as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, just kind of hanging out. We're recording this um, in March, where it's five degrees outside right now. So, all of that sounds so great to look forward to in the <laughs> next few for yeah. the, the next few months. Yeah, yeah. spring is coming. Spring is yes. coming. It's coming. Um, okay. Question number four: What is the best brunch food? Oh, the best brunch food. 
uh, probably Eggs Benedict yeah. with some really good, you yeah. know, smashed potatoes. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And lots of hollandaise sauce. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That one actually had a correct answer and you yeah. got it right. Exactly. So, <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yeah. You guys are both nodding, so that's a good sign. Yeah. Yes. Yes, we agree. Yeah. Highly agree. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. And the last question, what's your favorite family routine? Oh, family routine. I don't know. Do we even have a family routine at this point in our lives? Um, it's probably just like the end of the day when we're mm-hmm. just like lying on the couch. Yeah. Um, not watching what I want to watch, but watching kids show <laughs> some chill time. Yeah. yeah. Just some, and you know what? And just like, especially Nicholas, Nicholas comes and cuddles up beside me and then Nate cuddles up beside Mark and just, yeah. you know, it's just, or you get, I get both of them sometimes, one on each side, especially if I've been working. And so it's just, just that time. It's just yeah. like that last little bit of cuddle time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like all, all the routine is done for the day and it's just time to just do some love and yeah. relaxation. Just some chill and relax before love bedtime. It. That so. sounds great. Awesome. Well, thank you for doing that. That wasn't too hard. (laughs) You got the one question you needed to get right, right. So we're good to go. You got it. Um, Okay, so let's kind of dive into our topic today. But first, can you tell us a little bit about your work and how you were involved in that area of medicine? Um, So I have been a pediatric nurse since 2005, and I've worked Mm -hmm. in the pediatric ICU since 2008. Um, And I think I've always been interested in peds and... and, um, working in the hospital because when I was 15, my sister was in a serious car accident mm-hmm. um, where she was in a coma and she is uh, hemiplegic, which means she's paralyzed on one side of her body. Um, and I saw her go through um, that process of healing and recovery for, and at 15, it's a really inspirational and influential mm-hmm. influential period mm-hmm. of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd always talked about being a nurse after that. And then when my dad died when I was 23, I decided that life was too short and I needed to do something with my life and not just be in some dead-end jobs. And I then put my application into nursing school and put myself through nursing. Um, mm-hmm. And then I've always worked in PEDS since then. It's just an amazing place to be. Mm-hmm. Right? It's just You see so much growth and change and recovery is amazing with kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The resiliency for kids, right? Yeah. And I think for many people, you know, if they imagine a pick you, um, you always think or you mostly think that it's like a very and it is a highly stressful place. It's often a sad place, an anxious place, but it can also be, like you said, a happy place where you see progress and you see kids getting better. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. um yeah, it's not always the easiest place to be. Um, but even in a sad situation when you can make the best of it and be a part of that family's journey, mm-hmm. it's a really rewarding place. Like, and it's an honor to be a part of a family's journey, mm-hmm. whether it's a positive or negative situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and most kids do get better. And yeah. that's the most amazing thing is mm-hmm. you see kids come from being so sick to going home again. And yeah. it's just the most amazing journey. Mm-hmm. Little kids, big kids, you know, most of them don't feel sorry for themselves like we are as adults. And so you just want to help them. They All they want to do is be normal kids. They want to play. They want to be held. They want to be hugged. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't know how to feel sorry. They just want to get better. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. amazing to be a part of that and meet some really amazing families as well yeah. along that journey. Yeah. And you're such an important part of, of that part of their lives too, right? So I'm sure so many of them remember you. Mm-hmm. Do, do you have like patients come back when they're older? Yes. And, yeah. yeah. Sometimes Aww. they do come back and sometimes you kind of have to get your memory jogged a little bit because yeah, obviously course, we, yeah. we work with so many different families. Right. And you see them at their sickest moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's also really amazing. I always tell them, I'm like, please come back to visit us. 
us. Like, you know, you might have to remind me a little bit, mm-hmm. um, especially when it's like a tiny baby that's come in and now they're bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also so amazing to see them come back and oh, yeah. come back looking amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And they won't remember their journey there either, but that's okay. It's like the parents do. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. And the parents do say like they remember almost all of it. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, yeah. And I've had personally a long contact with NICU. Um, so mm-hmm. the neonate side of things. And they say they said just such cute things when we left. And they said, we always love to see our alumni. Yes. So <laughs> yeah. <come> back. <laughs> and, you know, I do remember them. I remember all their names. There were 15 nurses or more on rotation when we were there. Um Great. And, you know, we bring our we bring the alumni back. Yeah. Yeah. And it's amazing (laughs) how much like the families do remember the names. Some of them write them down in books. Some of them just remember them. And we've had it where they've written a card and they've written every single person's names that had contact with their child. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you're like, wow, I had no idea that you actually did remember all this, Mm -hmm. especially with everything going on. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just shows how impactful everybody of the team really can. Absolutely. 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 Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Such a crucial part. Um, so when a child has Down syndrome, you know, the medical team can be huge. And I'm sure as a parent of a, of a little dude with Down syndrome, you can attest to this. There are often several specialists, family doctor and a pediatrician, not to mention therapists and a school team. So you have a big team to manage. Um, but coordinating among that many people is a huge job. And, you know, effective communication with the medical team is crucial. So, You understand this, as I said, being a parent, but your perspective is a bit different because you regularly speak with doctors and other specialists in the hospital setting um, yourself. So what tips and tricks can you recommend to make that communication more effective? I always tell parents um, to write stuff down. Mm -hmm. Don't rely on your memory to remember everything because Mm -hmm. you end up getting a whole lot of knowledge and a whole lot of information all at once and that you're not going to absorb it all. So Mm -hmm. if you have questions, write it down, have a binder, have it broken down into sub like um, categories for different specialists, different therapies, Mm -hmm. um, ask the questions, write the questions down. If you're not sure, don't worry about asking the same question three, four, five times until you actually understand Mm -hmm. because you really need to fully understand everything that's being told to you. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's okay to ask questions. Mm -hmm. Just keep asking questions Mm -hmm. until you really solidly get the info that you need to know. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes the medical teams won't always they'll go simplistic on their answers. And for some people that's okay. And for some people it's not okay. And some people want more information. And if you're that kind of person that wants more information, then ask the questions, ask more deeper things that you can think of. Um, But also be careful about Googling. Don't go to Dr. Google. Mm -hmm. Um, We're all guilty of Dr. Google. Mm -hmm. I know I've done it as well. Mm. Um, But you've got to be cautious on the information you're pulling from because everybody's different. There's no two exact human beings out there. Yeah. Even if you're identical twins, you're still not 100%. um, And you have to just take your knowledge from things that way. Um, And build your team, build the people that you trust. um, And, you know, find the people that you you do trust. And if you're not happy with an answer, then go above them or ask to speak to somebody different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's okay to do. You have the right as a person in the medical system to ask for those things. And not everybody knows yes. that, yeah. um, but you can ask for a second opinion. That Absolutely. Is okay. and, and just, or just another person to talk to about the situation mm-hmm. and does this make sense? And it doesn't have to be within our hospital system. Yeah. You can ask for um, second opinions at other, in other provinces mm-hmm. that, you know, if it's a heart surgery situation, like you can always go to other um, places to get that opinion, just to make sure that what we're doing or what they're suggesting is okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And for people with Down syndrome, sometimes that's a requirement because there are so few centers that do specialize or have, you know, high caseload. We've talked to a lot to um, medical people from the States where they have that sort of Down syndrome medical center concept, yes. sort of fairly well developed. But if you're not near one of those, then your local is probably going to need to communicate with somebody out of state or mm-hmm. at the next closest mm-hmm. center. Do you ever recommend um, bringing the binder in, so your your you know your records binder and your specialist binder, and then using that as a tool to get your new team, let's say you're admitted into PICU or onto a ward, um, to get them up to date and passing over the binder and being like, this is where we are at, and these are the people on the team. Yeah, I think from the you could do that. Um, it really kind of depends on what the reason is that you're um, being admitted, um, and whether some of those factors do play into Overlap. it. So um, it's it's more your medical stuff, and 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 like depending on whether you have like the ear, nose, and throat doctors, the cardiologists, um, any gastroenterologists. It that kind of stuff absolutely because a lot of that can play together, and some of these subspecialties are very. Um, minor focused in that that they're that's the only area that they look into and stuff Mm -hmm. and you have to be like okay we need to broaden our thought process so we Mm -hmm. need to broaden our scope this is all the little things that are going on Mm -hmm. there is always an interconnection yeah um and that's where the pediatricians are also really good in um kind of delving into bigger pictures and and trying to find some of these other you know people that we need to maybe um, find referrals for or mm-hmm. bigger supports for mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. The binders are great. I don't know that the doctors would take the time to go through it, but it's also something good for yourself to be like, okay, so this is what's happened, you know, a year ago, or this is kind of the situation. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes we also need reminders of the things that have happened because we're oh, not yes. going to remember everything in every mm-hmm. situation as mm-hmm. well. And I think it's also important for our families listening to, to know that, you know, I mean, talking to medical professionals can be very intimidating, oh, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Especially if there's a language barrier, if there's, you know, you, you may not be like Marla and I, who are medical nerds that really want <laughs> to learn or understand some of this stuff. Um, for them to know that there might be resources available in the hospital that can help bridge that gap. So there could be translating services. There could be social workers. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, so so they can access some of those services they may not even know to ask for. Yes, absolutely. And that's um, 100%. A lot of times that happens for sure. Like we have, um, like now with technology, we actually have a visual iPad for translation services. So even though you may speak English well, you want to hear things in your own language to understand it a bit better. And that is totally 100% okay. Yeah. And that translating service is 24-7. accessible so we can always do that kind of stuff um your nurses are also your best friends Mm -hmm. you know we're Mm -hmm. we're also here as your advocate so Mm. if you talk to us and just say hey like i have some questions then we can also be those people to kind of go to the medical team and say hey the family has some questions you know or they're they're concerned about this or this these are some missing things that they didn't tell you um 
we're we're part of your team, right? And we're a really big part of that team as well. But yeah. you guys are also a huge part of the team. The family is one hundred percent a team member. You need to be part of rounds. You need to be part of everything and hear yeah. what's kind of going on um, mm-hmm. and and participate in it too. Yeah. Could families also okay. ask the nursing staff? Um, who would be the best recipient for a question? Let's say they have questions and they're not sure if it should be, you know, the the ENT doctor or the cardiologist or somebody else who should answer those questions. Are you guys able to say that sounds like a good question for, you know, this person who's coming at 10 o'clock or yes, whatever? Absolutely. And kind of supporting that way. Because yeah. I think sometimes people just don't know who they're supposed to ask yep. um, and they don't yep. want to do it wrong because they don't want to feel like they're causing a problem or whatever, which is not the case. Yep. Um, but you can always ask your nurses mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. help you figure out where to go. Yeah, to absolutely. To. There's no harm in asking the question and then trying to help navigate that that system and stuff. Mm-hmm. And even as somebody that works in the system, I know the frustrations of waiting for consults and yeah. waiting for people to come and trying to get those answers that you need. Um, and you want those answers now. And sometimes you just can't get those answers now. And yeah. why can't tests be done right now? And yeah, and yeah. it's a hard, you, it, yeah. it's hard. Yeah. Even being somebody that works in the system, I still have to wait for the process too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so the current um, AAP guidelines, so the American Academy of Pediatrics puts out a set of guidelines for children and adolescents with Down syndrome, kind of guiding physicians uh, in terms of what tests need to be done at what part of their life. Um, so the guidelines recommend, of obviously, a variety of specialist appointments to monitor um, and screen for many of those comorbid health problems that come along with the diagnosis of Down syndrome. Um, so we have observed that some of our families have no trouble getting referrals. They'll go into their doctors and the doctors will say, yep, let's do this. Um, and then others have a lot of challenges, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, especially with like sleep referrals or, you know, or sleep study referrals. What advice as a health professional can you provide for advocating for referrals? Keep pushing. Mm-hmm. Keep pushing. If you're not getting your answers, keep pushing. Keep yeah. mm-hmm. um, Find your friends as well, too. Um, I am lucky that our pediatrician knows that I work in the system and is willing to do whatever I ask, even if I'm not really asking it and mm-hmm. just asking for in- information, mm-hmm. um, where I know other people are like, well, I'm not really getting the answers that I want. I just keep pushing, keep asking. Um, yeah you know what, like it's the squeaky wheel gets, you know, gets the grease is really true. The more you ask this, if you sit back and you kind of just wait, Mm -hmm. things don't get done. You've got to be that advocate. You've got to be that. Sometimes you have to be that pushy parent. Mm -hmm. Um, And I respect it when parents are like that, to be Mm -hmm. honest. I know it's not easy sometimes and you don't want to be the bad parent. Mm -hmm. And I'm in that situation right now with school and stuff too, where I just, you know, I'm trying to pick my battles. Mm -hmm. Um, And you do pick your battles in the medical system as well. Um, But, you know, you just got to keep pushing. Sleep studies are one of the biggest things that are the problem in trying to get them done. They don't get done enough. They're not, um, there's not enough spots to do them. There's not enough people to do them and monitor them. And I know our kids, all of our kids should qualify for sleep studies and they don't always. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And again, I'm lucky like with Nate that we were going to do a sleep study. And because I work in the system, I was able yeah. to do like an examinatory study at home versus yeah. a full sleep study in the hospital. Yeah. Um, and I still need to continue to do some more of that stuff and, yeah. and push for some more of that stuff as time goes on. But yeah. um, I recognize that I am very lucky yeah. in mm-hmm. that I have the resources and I know the people to ask for that. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and, and it, I think like guidelines like these are so essential because they're created by health professionals yeah. for health professionals. So mm-hmm. th- I've had many conversations with families with a lot of them are familiar with the guidelines. A lot of them are not familiar. So mm-hmm. I think a lot of our a lot of our jobs at the DSRF as therapists is to help be part of that advocacy village yeah. for our families being like, mm-hmm. hey, take this to your doctor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of really great resources that we'll put on our episode page um, that parents can, you know, type in an issue. It prints out things. It prints out letters you can take to your doctor. So there's lots there. But I think a lot of the families um, put the doctors and the health professionals in the place of the expertise. And yes, their expertise in their field, but you as a parent are an expert yes. in your child. So 100%. just kind of remembering mm-hmm. that as well. 100%. You are your child's expert and yeah. the, the health professionals need to be listening to you. If you have a concern, you know, you need to say it. And, and you know, if you're not getting the answers you want, then yeah. ask for more answers then mm-hmm. or ask them to explain it better so that you're not you know, nobody knows 100% everything. Yeah. Right. We don't, medical professionals are human. We don't know everything. And sometimes we have to go out of our mm-hmm. element and try to find the answer mm-hmm. sometimes too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, and you just have to also believe in your gut instinct. I'm, I'm very mm-hmm. strong on that gut instinct mm-hmm. aspect of things. Yeah. I think I have, a, I have a few notes on this topic. One of them is that if you are not advocating for your child, nobody else is, which is a scary thought. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does come back to you. And that is kind of here in BC, regardless of your sort of home culture. Um, And we have to acknowledge that a lot of people come from cultures where you don't ask questions Mm -hmm. twice. Um, Or you don't question authority. You don't question it. And here, that's that's not how the system is set up. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it takes some getting used to if you're not used to that sort of advocacy or that Mm -hmm. very verbal advocacy. But the way that the system runs here, if you are told that a referral is not important one time, that doesn't mean that you leave it. It means that that the next appointment, you bring more paperwork with you. Um, You bring the healthcare guidelines. You bring your doctor letter, those kinds of things, and you ask for it again. Yeah. Um, And that people are not going to be mad at you for doing that. That is how the system here works. Yeah. You are your child's biggest advocate Mm -hmm. and they can't speak for themselves Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. or until they are able to speak for themselves and speak up, then you need to speak for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's a tricky one. It's at this sort of crossroads between, you know, the culture that people grew up with Mm -hmm. and the way that the medical system runs and, you know, the medical system is full of really smart people, but medicine is also changing very, very fast. Um, so depending mm-hmm. on when you learned your information and how up to date you are on things like Down syndrome, you might have a very different set of ideas about what is required. Mm-hmm. And some of our subspecialists don't have a lot of experience with yeah. Down syndrome Absolutely. either, right? Good point. And so, exactly, yeah. um, you know, you can go see um, the end or sorry, the ENT docs, um, and some of them may have a lot of experience with working with kids with Down syndrome and some of them may not have had any experience. Mm-hmm. And so we just don't know mm-hmm. what to expect mm-hmm. or what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, same with pediatricians too. I mean, they're, you know, they're globally trained and, but it's all about exposure. And if you yeah. haven't been exposed mm-hmm. to that knowledge, then you can't be expected to know yeah. everything. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think so. the onus should also be not only on the families for educating the health professionals. Mm-hmm. Like I think, 
And there is a bit of a push, and I think, you know, for medical professionals to to listen and maybe learn. Like, I mean, if, mm-hmm. you know, Marla and I, if we have um, a client with maybe, you know, a challenge that neither of us have worked on before, we're like, okay, let's do the reading, let's do some pro-D on it, and then we'll learn how to help yep. this person, right? Yeah. So, so they kind of need to be open on their end to be like, mm-hmm. okay, I don't know that much about Down syndrome, but... yeah. Mm-hmm. let's look it up. And I try to take that opportunity at work too. When I, yeah. you know, I work with a whole lot of different um, people from different specialties. Um, and like, just for an example, like this past week, there was an adult doctor that was working with us on a rotation. Um, and I was on a phone call because Nate got hurt at school. And so I just explained afterwards, oh, my son has Down syndrome. And he started to say, oh, I'm sorry. And I, I looked at him mm-hmm. and I said straight up, I said, do not, never, ever say I'm sorry again. I said, yeah. he is my greatest gift. And yeah. a diagnosis yeah. is not something to say I'm sorry about. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just took this opportunity to educate him yeah. mm-hmm. in how to talk to a family. How to do it better. And how yeah. to do it better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and your face said it all, Hannah, there. <laughs> because I was, I was like, I was like, don't, I actually had my finger out. I'm like, don't ever do that again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I don't want to hear I'm sorry because I'm yeah. not sorry. Because mm-hmm. he is, yeah. he is the most amazing. Yeah. And I the first thing I say to a family, if they have a new baby and a new diagnosis, is congratulations on your baby. Because mm-hmm. that is all you have right now is a baby. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I kind of went off tangent there. No, but no, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's home for everybody. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm very strong-willed on that part in yeah. that mm-hmm. I don't want to, I know like we could have a whole other conversation about genetics and working with the genetics teams and everything yeah. else. Oh, and yeah. That's a whole different yeah. topic we can have later. Yeah. So, but mm-hmm. um, I'm sorry is not something we should say to our patients and our yeah. kids and our families. And, you know, it's like, congratulations, you have a beautiful baby. Yeah, Cause exactly. that's all they exactly. are. They are just a beautiful baby. Yeah. Let's, I think you're absolutely right. Sorry. For I the record. tangent there. No, you're <laughs> absolutely right. I'm glad that you said that. Um, Sometimes it happens, and this is one of those things that we just talked about, that a medical professional and a parent disagree about the correct course of action or whether a referral is needed at all. In this situation, sometimes we do want to seek a second opinion, and families can a lot of families have expressed discomfort to us around this process. They are like, well, aren't I supposed to just listen to this person? Don't all doctors know the same things? We've kind of <laughs> talked about that. What's your take on second opinions? Everybody has the right to a second opinion, even if you get the same answer, and that is okay. Um, there is not just one doctor for that sp- subspecialty in our hospital, for the most part, I would like to say. Um, there's many cardiologists, there's many ENT doctors, um, there's many respirologists, um, there's many, there's two cardiac surgeons. Um, you have the right to ask for a second opinion mm-hmm. and to not worry about offending the person that you're asking that second opinion for. I think a lot of that fear comes from you're worried that you're going to offend that person and they're not going to want to do the care for yep. your child at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, the medical doctors know that this is your child. They know that you have a right to know a second opinion and they can put all your information together. And now it's like the electronic world, email it to another surgeon in a different province, a yeah. different state, um, and to get that second opinion for you Mm -hmm. um unless it's a life and death situation that has to be decided right now um you can have those second opinions Mm -hmm. right we have to kind of take what the situation is Mm -hmm. like if your if your child is 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 seriously seriously ill and we need to make a decision now then yeah sometimes it's not the right time to ask for a second Mm -hmm. opinion Mm -hmm. um but if it's a decision between 
X, Y, and Z on the pathway of things, then absolutely you have a choice uh, and a right to ask for that opinion if yeah. you're just not comfortable with what they're saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, I'm going to shift gears a little bit here and talk about technicians um, because boy, oh boy, do we interact a lot with them and it's very critical. I'm thinking about blood draws. I'm thinking about dental cleanings. I'm thinking about all these procedure oriented things, Mm -hmm. a lot of Mm -hmm. electrodes, a lot of things for sleep studies, um, that can feel uncomfortable or invasive for the child. And at the same time, there are things that we'd like really need them to go well, Mm -hmm. right? When you need a blood draw, you need a blood draw. And like, we would be doing them a lot. Exactly. We would love it to go well. Um, families often have ideas about what could help this situation go well or what would make their child feel more calm or those kinds of things. How do they share this information with a technician? Is there a way to go about that? Um, Yeah. So like if you're an inpatient in the hospital, um, you again can use your nurses. Mm -hmm. Um, You can put signs on your doors and say, you know, please speak to mom prior to or dad, I should say mom or dad prior to, you know, blood draws or um, interactions with your Mm -hmm. child. Mm -hmm. Um, You can use your nurse as well. If you're in ICU, your nurses, your advocates were always there. Um, And, you know, and just also communicating with the team and, and stuff like Nate doesn't do well with blood draws, but we're working on it. It's only once a year. So it's hard to kind of mm-hmm. get that going and stuff. Same mm-hmm. with the dentist and stuff like that. But it's just like, it's that exposure and just taking the time and just like even talking to your team and being like, you just got to give him time. You got to give him time to process this. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you have the right to also say stop. Mm-hmm. Um, like if somebody's, you know, trying to do blood work and your kid is not tolerating yeah. it just say stop can we can we take a break can you come back does it need to be done right this moment yeah mm-hmm. um you are your child's savior you're you don't need to be also your child's you don't have to hold your child down if you're in the hospital that can be our job you yeah. can be the rescuer mm-hmm. um i always tell parents that um and i've also been on the other side of that as well too when it was in icu and i had to step back and let my colleagues take care of him and then i had to come in and be that rescuer and be mom yeah. and be yeah. mom yeah mm-hmm. right yeah. um mm-hmm. we didn't really talk about that but i do know what it's like to be on the other side and i do mm-hmm. share that with families as well mm-hmm. um and I don't know if I answered your question or not. There, no, you so. totally did. I think those are really good um, strategies is just, you know, let your technicians know yeah. what would be helpful. And maybe it's about volume or pace or yeah. distraction or all of those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. I think the note on the parent should be the rescuer and not the the holder of the child is a really good one. Yeah. Um, it allows that rapport and bond to Main, remain untouched yeah. um, between parent and child, which is, is very yeah. important. Yeah. Um, conversely, though, some families have already had bad experiences, let's say with blood draws, and they know that their child is likely to be highly upset if it is going to be happening again. Yeah. Um, due to some, you know, some medical trauma history. Um, do you have any ideas or suggestions if parents anticipate it's going to be bad and we we still have to do it but we know it's going to be terrible are there ways to go get around that so we do have child life um specialists Mm -hmm. at the Mm -hmm. hospital which i'm not sure how many people are familiar with them um if it's a monday to friday um they can definitely be um part of it and they can prep the child and talk with them they have a lot of prep stories um 
You can do social stories as well if you know mm-hmm. something's coming up and you have enough time to prep your child for things mm-hmm. um, and or, you know, just watching videos to kind of say, hey, this is what's going to it kind of all depends on the age mm-hmm. of the situation as mm-hmm. well. Um and sometimes you just have to do it. And I know that that's not the, mm-hmm. the answer either. Mm-hmm. Um, and But just trying to prep or prepare your child as best as you can, yeah. depending on where you're at on development. And, mm-hmm. you know, if it's a baby, you can't really um, prepare them for it, you know, but if it's a toddler, you can watch videos and say, this is what we're going to do. We're going to have a little poke. The child life is great about using child words versus mm-hmm. adult words. <laughs> yep. Um, because if you go up to the kid and say, I'm going to draw your blood, or I'm going to poke you in your arm, probably not the best thing. It's mm-hmm. going to scare them. Mm-hmm. Um, and just giving them some pre-warning as well sometimes yeah. just to give mm-hmm. them that time to process. So it's like, we know our kids take time to process what they're saying and they are yeah. visual learners. And so if you give them those visual cues, then yeah, they might exactly. understand it a little bit better mm-hmm. as well, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, and you also, you can kind of make it a game sometimes too and you make it fun even though, mm-hmm. yeah, we're going to have to do this little poke. Um, we can make it fun up until that point, do a little poke and then we're all done kind of thing, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. um, and you find what works for your child and if you know what works for your child, communicate that, yeah. right? Like, yeah. Or like, yeah. I need some videos or I need to like, we need to blow bubbles first and then we can do it. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and that's the thing, like I think if they can take the time to do all those things to make it a game yeah. to make it fun then hopefully the future blood draws or future interactions won't necessarily need all of that right yeah. like the kids will understand like okay this is not as bad of an experience as i was thinking and well let me just get through it so yeah. it, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be a big production all the time but if we mm-hmm. don't s- make the space and the time to set it up for them that way because it is an intrusive process to get your blood drawn yeah. or mm-hmm. um then of course i mean no one's no one's that trust is broken you're like forget it i'm yeah. not going to do mm-hmm. this again but Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And there are ways, let's say, you know, you have your sleep study coming up mm-hmm. and it might be worth for if you're a parent to take a look at a Google image of what that entails, because it's a lot of stickers, mm-hmm. lots of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can play stickers at home. Yeah. You know, and oh, yeah. kids quite enjoy being the doctor, I find, yeah. and putting the stickers on you. And it yeah. gives them this feeling of control. Exactly. Yeah. I have my own kids give me blood draws all the time for pretend um, because they have to do them and mm-hmm. it gives them, you know, a little bit of a feeling of like, okay, here's I'm the start, the here's one, yeah. the end. I can be in charge of this and therefore I can also do it. Yeah. And that um, everybody gets blood draws, not yeah. just a me thing. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And you did say a really good point there where it's like, it's their control too, yeah. right? And that letting them, you know, if you can let them play with the stuff mm-hmm. ahead of time to kind of see it, mm-hmm. you know, obviously not sharps and stuff, no, but Tylenol syringe works fine as yeah. a pretend, you know, there's no yeah. needle Lots there. Lots of doctor toys out yeah. there. Oh, you can yeah. buy a doctor kit. Strings, strings and yeah. some tape and let's put them on. We're going to yeah. put them all over your head and all yeah. over your body and letting them have that little bit of control. Mm-hmm. Even in the situation of doing the sleep study, get them to help you put the stickers on where mm-hmm. you need the stickers. Mm-hmm. Um, because as long as you involve them, the more you involve them in the situation yes. and make it about them doing yeah. it, mm-hmm. exactly. the easier your process is actually going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I know it's not easy. Like sleep studies are probably one of the hardest things mm-hmm. for our kids to do. And, mm-hmm. you know, you're in a strange bed. You got these like 5,000 leads and stickers on top. And, exactly. you know, how are they going to go to sleep? And yeah, yeah, it's there's it's, some irony in that one. Yeah. Like, yeah. Good night. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah right. exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
but it's it's an important one. It has to it has to be done. Yeah. And like blood draws are hard, right? And you do have to hold them tight because obviously you don't want to get poked. You don't want them poked multiple times. You know, the, yeah. the technicians doing it don't want to get poked. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's a hard process, but they do start to get used to the process. Mm-hmm. And same thing at the dentist, it's that exposure mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. things, right? They do start to figure it out and mm-hmm. understand mm-hmm. as long as it's not pushed upon them and you're not like, I hate dentists because I hate having to hold him down for it. And so it's just like a good dentist will take the time to let them get used to it and not be like, well, I'm on a schedule. We don't have time. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And this is where calling ahead and being like, we need extra time for this appointment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Letting people know that that's what you anticipate isn't you can do that. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about parents for a hot second because parents are often as stressed as the child, if not more so. Um, they might not be externalizing it and keeping it on, yeah. <laughs> but they're really stressed and no parent likes to see their child in distress. Um, and if you, the parent, are finding that you have an intolerable level of stress leading up to um, some of these technical things or appointments, then it's okay to seek support for yourself mm-hmm. and talk to somebody about that. We can recommend finding medical psychology if you're in an inpatient unit um, and talking to them. That's part of their job mm-hmm. um, is chatting with you and recognizing too that it's normal. It's a stressful thing to have to do. If you're in PICU, that's very stressful. Um, and finding support for that is not a bad thing to do no and there's also social work there's spiritual care so regardless Mm -hmm. of what your spiritual beliefs are there's spiritual care that is Mm -hmm. there and available to you Mm -hmm. if you want your own spiritual um support people to come in there that is totally allowed as well Mm -hmm. um there's med psych that we can also get referrals for Mm -hmm. and um for like anybody in your family and stuff like that too so Mm -hmm. um regardless of what the reason is that you're in the hospital or you know that is all available to everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a, yeah. and it's an important thing to seek out. So, yeah. mm-hmm. and sometimes we just don't know if that's what we need. Right. Um, yeah. But, you know, just to sit and talk about things sometimes is helpful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. I think so. Um, let's say people are listening to this and they're thinking, wow, I really would like to learn more about how to do this kind of communication, acknowledging that it's going to be ongoing. Uh, these large medical teams continue through childhood and up through adulthood. The members might change a little bit, but the teams the teams remain quite large. Um, are there any resources that you could recommend for families to learn more about how, like how the medical system works, how to talk to doctors, how to make sure that things go well, or maybe even some sort of dictionary things because sometimes there's a lot of jargon involved and you're not sure exactly what's being talked about and just some references that are reliable. Um, there's no actual like book or anything like that. Again, it would be just really talking to your medical team, talk to your nurses, talk to your therapists. Cause I think that they're probably your best bet on where to kind of get some of that information. Sometimes mm-hmm. I wish there was a book out there that said, mm-hmm. you know, the, mm-hmm. these are the resources that you can have access to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. because we also know that like, depending on what community you work in or that you live in, I should say, um, the, the resources are easier accessible mm-hmm. or less accessible. Yes, um, absolutely. You know, and just, you know, sometimes you have to travel an hour and a half to be able to go get to your resources yeah. and therapists mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So um, I think it's just really just talking to your, your community of support um, mm-hmm. and, yeah. you know, just 
if something just doesn't seem right, just ask like, like whether it be your pediatrician, your GP, you know, your OT, speech therapist, you know, like if you have a question, sometimes they can help just direct you. Um, Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. there's just no full set book of like, this is where to go and get stuff and get Mm -hmm. your supports and stuff like that. It's different for each community, like you said, or each health authority or each specialty. But Mm -hmm. I think some of the key players in the game are good to know like you said so the mm-hmm. pediatrician gp or nurse social worker med psychology yeah i think at least if families are aware of some of those players that are key in a hospital that would be helpful that's mm-hmm. a great first step to yeah. at least know right and when we have a family that comes into icu um and the child has down syndrome i come in um mm-hmm. as best as i can if i'm on um come and say hi and mm-hmm. i come in as a fellow parent mm-hmm. not as a medical professional mm-hmm. um and even if i am their nurse i'm like here like i'm i'm putting my other hat on right now i'm gonna let you know i have a child with down syndrome you know obviously my journey is a bit of a different story mm-hmm. um everybody's story is different but i'm here just to offer you the support of a parent mm-hmm. and to let you know that there's a community of people out there and resources and supports that will help guide you yeah. um and you build your army Mm-hmm. Right. You build your team and you have those supports. Even if it's like somebody I'm like, hey, like, you know, if you need to reach out, reach out, reach out to me. Here's my name. Here's my number. Yeah. I'm here as a support person, yeah. you know, and it, it may not be like a year later. They might come back and say, hey, mm-hmm. you know what? We met at the hospital. I have some questions. Yeah. If people are curious and want to know more about what different medical professionals do, there is a section on our website that we'll put in the show notes that talks about what is a pediatrician, what's their role, what's an OT, what's their role. Um, and we kind of cover some of the the most common team members that way. Um, we'll put a link to that um, because depending on where you are, you might not ever get a chance to yep. talk directly with some mm-hmm. of these people. So that's yeah. kind of helpful. Um, okay. Thanks so much for coming and joining us today. We really appreciated having you on. I think this is crucial information for families. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for having me here. And everybody here has been amazing as well as as a support team for me as well and and our family and stuff too. Awesome. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you. The Lowdown, a Down Syndrome podcast, can be found on all major podcast platforms. Subscribe today so you never miss an episode. And let us know what you think by leaving a rating and a review. Be sure to visit the webpage for this episode at dsrf.org slash podcast for additional resources related to the topic. You can also follow DSRF Canada on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube for updates from the Lowdown and the Down Syndrome Resource Foundation. Want to know more about Down Syndrome? Class is now in session at DSRF's online learning portal powered by Thinkific. Users have called DSRF's resource brilliant, fantastic, and absolutely first class. Now, our educational platform puts these tools right at your fingertips. Start with our free introductory course Down Syndrome 101 or dive deep into the issue that matters most to you by enrolling in subjects like mental health or relationships and sexuality for people with Down syndrome. Each course guides users through video, audio, and written resource to help you better understand and support the person in your life with Down syndrome. 
all of the courses and subscriptions include access to the DSRF circle of support. Through this social community, users can interact and learn from one another and engage directly with DSRF. So, what are you waiting for? Class is about to begin, and there's an empty desk just for you. Visit dsrf.org slash thinkific to sign up today. Got questions? We have answers. 321's Canada's Down Syndrome magazine brings leading-edge expertise from Canada's top Down Syndrome professionals, as well as parents and people with Down Syndrome, direct to your inbox four times per year. Brought to you by the Down Syndrome Resource Foundation and Canadian Down Syndrome Society. 321 tackles issues important to people with Down syndrome and their families at every stage of life. From mental and physical health and development, relationships, employment, independence, and more, we will equip you to explore whatever your future hopes. 321 Magazine, information and inspiration for Canada's Down syndrome community. Download the latest issue and describe for free at dsrf.org slash magazine. The Lowdown, the Down Syndrome Podcast, is a production of Down Syndrome Research Foundation. Learn more at dsrf.org and join the conversation at DSRF Canada on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. The Lowdown is hosted by... Marla Fordan and Hannah Mahmood and it's produced by Glenn Hughes. The Lowdown theme music and George Do was written and recorded by Rick Scott.